This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, all you traders out there, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined uh, for a second week in a row by JD, John Doherty. How you doing, John? Doing great, Jack. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, uh, you've been filling in while Dan's doing bush work in his yard, and <laughs> it's, it's been great to have you on. Uh, today, we got a great interview for you. Um, I interviewed solo uh, Marina Viatoro, perhaps better known by the moniker The Trading Chick. So if you want to know the lessons, the Tao, if you will, of the trader chick, this is a great interview. Uh, John, you didn't get a chance to meet her, but a uh, real fascinating person Marina is. She's originally from the USSR, was in the United States, and then has lived the last 20 years in Guatemala, and she's been trading the entire time over there. So that's a journey. That is a journey. I'm looking forward to uh, listening to that. Yeah. I mean, you and me both, John, we've been uh, more or less hanging around the greater Chicago land area, as the weather people would call it, uh, for our childhood and adult lives. Yep. And I feel like I haven't left my house in four months now. Why is that? <laughs> Just another COVID anomaly. Yeah. Speaking of which, I uh, have an allergy cough. <laughs> I said to sure everyone out there I'm okay. Yeah, it's going around right now for sure. Oh, yeah. I've been taking all the... Uh, off-brand Zyrtec I can get my hands on, but uh, you know I can't take the Benadryl in the morning because it'll make me too sleepy to watch these lively markets. So uh, JD, we were just talking about this week is earnings week. We got a big dog, as they call it. Uh, today, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 22nd. So after the bell, we have Tesla coming out, which I assume will, uh, I don't know, cure cancer or something to justify where it's at right now. I mean, it's Giving a little back today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's all it's all the way back to double where it was uh, <laughs> yeah. a month ago. <laughs> what could hurt this company right now? So that's interesting. Like so far, earnings have been generally pretty upbeat. I think it's a combination of the. I mean, a lot of companies didn't even give guidance, but also they were really, you know, shooting low, sort of uh, putting the bar real low so you could jump over it. It's it's sure. Yeah. But like the financials were all super strong, but all the banks, they were uh, booking big money in their trading operations, which shouldn't be a surprise given how volatile the market was. And they were essentially protected by uh, the Fed money. But uh, they all really raised their um, allowances for future credit defaults. So that's a little bit concerning. A little bit. It's almost like they're just doing it all over again. That is what they're doing. They're doing it all over again. Yeah. And, you know, there's so much other places for people to put their ire right now that the banks really haven't got it. When I saw that um, Goldman crushed their earnings and I wrote a blog about it, uh, I woke up and I, I, was, I was viscerally mad. I, I haven't been that mad in a long time. I just woke up and the first thing I saw was that they had crushed their earnings. And it's like, this is... Uh. How does it happen? How do they keep doing it? Well, I think people are... We should be. I feel like people should be mad about that too. But there's so many things to be mad at right now. It's hard to have the uh, attention span. But uh, I'm sure we'll get back to that at some point. Meanwhile, you know, stocks are, of course, are all around. The indices are surging to new highs, mostly propelled by a concentration at the top. I saw today that 
you know, six stocks, sort of like the the big five plus Tesla and the NASDAQ are worth half the market cap. So on one hand, that explains this crazy NASDAQ run. The median stock isn't doing particularly well. It's just a few superstars are just, I mean, it's crazy seeing these very mature companies. You look at like Apple or something like that, just rocketing through the stratosphere. Um, But Part of that, too, is we talked, John, maybe you'd help me touch on this a little bit. The dollar has been getting whacked as well. It is. It's uh, dollar index is right around the lowest it's been since March, I want to say. Uh, it did get a little boost this morning. There's a little tussle going on with China. We're making them, we're forcing them to close their consulate in Houston. So we got a, we're kind of seeing another, a small rotation of currencies right now. But for the most part, the dollar is on its lows. I mean, it's not a horrible thing for a recovery, but... Right. Well, I saw that news, and uh, on that news, the S&P crashed uh, two points or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's another thing to... Sorry, I'm just particularly um, fired up this morning, but watching the the dollar get hammered, the stock indices surge to record highs, it's like, man, who could have seen that coming with uh, all the liquidity the Fed's infusing, but... I don't know, man. I think that's kind of trouble long run. That's really that. That's two dynamics that really exacerbate sort of an inequality problem we already have in this country. Yeah, I I agree with you there, hundred percent. Yeah, but anyway, you know the show must go on, JD. So uh, we'll go to a little bit of a happier interview. This could be your uh, <laughs> happy place. Marina was a great guest. She talks a lot about simplifying her trading style is really when she found success. And I think that's something that everybody out there can learn from. I know it's something that's helped me in the past. What about you, JD? Keep it simple, stupid. That's the, uh, that's the old motto, right? Yeah, man. It's, it's way too easy to go get way too underwater, <laughs> over your skis, drawn shit all over your charts <laughs> yeah i don't i can't look at sloppy charts once you start putting up things that you don't even understand it just gets you fall down the rabbit hole it just gets worse and worse yeah don't become one of those folks so uh anyway please enjoy this interview with uh the trader chick and uh john and i will be back afterwards for a brief outro see you then uh listeners i'm joined by the trader chick herself, uh, part two, because uh, we didn't record the first five minutes <laughs> we just recorded. But uh, everybody from Guatemala, it's Marina Viatoro. How Hi you doing? Everybody. I'm Still doing, doing good. good. <laughs> we, are, we already discussed the weather in Guatemala. It's great down there. Uh, <laughs> Marina was born in the USSR and uh, came to the United States when she was five and a half. I'm recalling everything correctly so far, I think. Well, I left the USSR, Odessa, when I was five and a half, but we arrived to the U.S. when I was on my sixth birthday, actually. It was a migration process back then. Sure. It takes a a while. Yeah. And then you uh, went through your career. I guess the the listeners won't know this, so I guess we'll have to go through it. You started in... Yeah, you have have a fascinating story. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. (laughs) Um, You got into the high-profile world of aerobics instruction or just physical fitness what would be the preferred title for that um back then i think it was an aerobics instructor now it's a lot more widespread but yes so i used to uh teach high impact i was one of the first spinning instructors one of the first pilates instructors throughout manhattan 
So yeah, this was over 20 some years ago when it was all just beginning. <laughs> in, in, in the 90s, were there still the super fun uh, aerobics outfits? Or is that more of an 80s thing? Um, oh, you mean like with the leg warmers? And yeah, like the, 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 <laughs> like the Richard Simmons dancing on the board, stuff like that. Oh, no, no. Well, some some were. I wasn't. I was never into that. It was kind of cheesy for me. But yeah, <laughs> the Richard. Yeah, Simmons. I don't think that sort of cheese works Jack at Lillian, Manhattan. Though, I used to work out in Jack Lalane, which doesn't exist at all anymore. Oh man, I remember. Jack. He, he's the. I only know him as the like the ninety year old guy lifting weights, right? Yeah, and I think he swam the English Channel when he was like 88. Yeah, he was a pretty hardcore guy. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't think I'll be doing that anytime soon, especially when I'm 88, God willing. So, through uh, <laughs> working in Manhattan like that, you got some exposure to the uh, markets initially through some of the clients you were working for doing physical fitness, right? Right. So, it's completely common to be a fitness instructor, I guess, or an aerobics instructor. And the gyms and like Equinox and I don't know, Crunch, those really big ones. But a lot, the majority of the corporate buildings back then, I don't know, um, a lot changed after 9-11 especially. Uh, they all had private gyms. So I used to be a fitness instructor for them. And they were really lucrative, actually. They were way more lucrative than the gyms. But because of that, I also got to meet a lot of people on, who worked on Wall Street and these financial markets. And just being around that buzz always attracted me to the financial markets. So back then I wasn't into day trading. I was more into investing long-term because day trading back then you had to have $25,000. I think today for equities you do, I, I day trade futures. So you don't need as much um, to start, but I, I didn't have it back then. However, I started to invest and I actually ended up doing quite well investing and being a fitness instructor, only working 15, 20 hours a week, <laughs> I was actually able to save a lot of money. And in 2000, I took off with a backpack and had no destination and no time limit and started traveling. So you can give us some maybe like highlights of uh, where you went. You don't have to go everywhere. But uh, also, we've reached the point in our conversation where we're uh, exploring new things between the two of us here. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Kind of where'd you start? What's a few highlights of that? So the biggest highlight is, well, I'll get to that in a second, but I just literally took off. I had no destination. My goal was to do the world and I could have actually, uh, but I had a little stop along the way. So I took off. I lived in Manhattan in New York and got on a bus and headed west and then south to Mexico. And when I got to Mexico, my goal was to learn Spanish. And what I did was I hitchhiked pretty much all of Mexico. It's a very big country. And I learned a yeah. lot of Spanish, but it wasn't like the Spanish that I really wanted to learn. And along the way, everybody was telling me, you have to go to Guatemala because it's the cheapest and the best Spanish classes in the world, private. And I think to, the, to this day it is. It's the best. So I crossed in from Belize border because I... Along when you go to Mexico, a lot of people do the Maya route. It's a very common route when you go and see all the Mayan ruins. However, back then, this was also 20 years ago, in Mexico, you weren't allowed to see the sunrise or the sunset. Only the northern in northern Guatemala, Tikal, it's a Mayan ruin, was the only one left that you were able to do that. And I really wanted to do that. And I arrived there from Belize and with it and... It's all the way northern. I don't ever camp, but it was the only thing they had going on there camping-wise. And right next to me um, was one other camper. 
this was almost 20 years ago and he was the very first Guatemalan I ever met and he's been my husband now for almost 20 years. Oh, that's wild. So, <laughs> there you go. So because of him, I didn't get to see the world. I did get to see all of Latin America. So I tell him he still owes me the South Pacific and Australia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's a fortuitous turn of events. So then so you've been in Guatemala and uh, Guatemala specifically for 20 years or were you in Costa Rica? No. Yeah, okay. we lived in Costa Rica. He, When I met him, he was already talking about getting his master's degree in Costa Rica um, so when we finally decided to be married, he literally got like, we moved to Costa Rica. That was where we first lived and we lived there for seven years. Then he graduated and came back here to work at his alma mater. He was a professor and I came here and our first son was born there. And then we moved to Guatemala 11 years ago. So we've been in living in Central America for 18 years. Um, but I was back and forth before <laughs> and our second son yeah. was born in Guatemala. Yeah. Well, something common I see with a lot of the um, successful traders we have on this show is the sort of risk tolerance and profile that you need to be successful at trading futures. It translates into a lot of uh, sort of controlled, risky decisions people make in life. It's a real common thread to have people that just pick up and go somewhere. And I think that only a very small percent of the overall population would do something like that, just head to Central America and then be there, you know? So. <laughs> I presume once you got to Central America, this is probably when you start doing more day trading stuff or learning more. Um, so what happens next in your story? You know it far better so, than I. Uh, no, basically, so when we finally moved to Costa Rica, um, I got back into really wanting to, I kind of sold off my investments, which was it gave me the opportunity to travel. And I really just was constantly interested in this. And Costa Rica was pretty much like the age of the internet. So I really wanted to get back into financial markets, but really learning. And again, there was very little online back then um, as far as classes and whatnot. So, but I was starting to self-educate. And again, it wasn't so much day trading. It was just strictly um, investments once again. So I kind of did that all over again, um, learning how to invest. I really got into dividend stocks and the dividend aristocrats. I was really into like the income generating. And then my son was born and then kind of life stopped and I wasn't able to concentrate as much. And then after my husband came back to Guatemala, when we moved to Guatemala, I also, okay, so at this point in Costa Rica, I actually have a pretty popular travel site that I started while we were living in Costa Rica. And because we travel so much, I was the only one back then that talked about traveling Costa Rica with a family and somehow without me wanting to, it became the business of my family. Like it literally paid for everything for my family um, without me wanting to. So I got really, really crazy involved in that. And then before my 40th birthday, I just turned 48. So before my 40th birthday, I was kind of at a crossroads with it. I was, it was getting to a point where it was becoming really, really busy, but it was at a crossroads. Do I want to grow it? Or do I want to do something else? And I was burnt out. I did not want to grow it. And this is when I was like, all right, I'm about to be 40. What do I really want to do? I always had a massive passion for financial markets. And I really wanted to get much more involved. So for my 40th birthday, I bought myself um, the first academy, day trading academy education that I could. Um, I spent $3,000. And that was the beginning of me becoming really, really involved in day trading. And it was for the futures, ES Minis. 
And that's pretty much what I have been trading now for eight years. And that's really where it began. Like I would say a little over eight years ago that I became a day trader or the road, the journey of a day trader. Cool. How, how long does it take one to go? So, that, you know, that's a pretty hefty um, investment sort of in your future. How long does it take you to go through a program like that? Oh, that was nothing. I ended up spending over 20,000 bucks on my, my education. <laughs> and a lot oh, of it was boy. crap. A lot of it was total crap. Um, like a lot of these gurus. And I did it all. The one-on-ones, the seminars, the workshops, the retreats. Oh, my God. You name it. I was really, really, really committed, but I was also really struggling. Um, and it took me about two years to kind of get my act together. And the reason why it took me about two years, because I had a massive breakdown after like failing and not doing well, because a lot of the academies that I find, they don't teach you how to day trade, they teach you their strategy, right? And if you don't follow their strategy, and if you don't understand it, you feel stupid, you know, and I know that a lot of day traders go through this, they don't ever actually teach you the basics or kind of like if you want to be, I felt like if you want to be a musician, let's say you want to play the flute and you arrive to learn how to play the flute instead of going through the beginning, you're thrown into the symphony and have to keep up. And that's a lot of times I find like a lot of trade rooms are like that. They don't actually teach you, but they're like, okay, great trade. And you're like, oh my God, why? I don't know. And you're in and you lose all this money. And also going for these really big targets could be really beautiful on paper, but they could be really, first of all, you have to put up a lot of risk. There's all these things. And I just never got that. And I was just constantly losing. And April, about two and a half years ago, I ended up losing almost $4,000 literally in five minutes. And not only that, then like the next two days after that, I just revenge traded. My husband came in, I lost almost $6,000 literally in a matter of three days. And he's like, why are you doing this? Why are you constantly like losing our money and just struggling. And I basically had a breakdown. Um, and I left, I left the market for a couple of months, but real traders, we just know that you can do it. Like there's something in us. You're just like, I'm this close. I know we could do it. And what I did was I came back and I started to recognize that one thing that I was never, ever taught was the basics. And I just stripped my charts. I had three monitors, 10 indicators. I stripped them all came back to just completely bare naked charts, price action only. And after sitting there, really, I mean, I was obsessed. I spent like 10 hours in front of the charts sometimes. Uh, something, not, nothing at all what I wanted to do with the trading, right? Because the whole point of trading is to trade for an hour and a half or two hours a day. Um, but I was obsessed. I knew that I could do it. And maybe because I learned, I, I speak three languages. I'm trilingual. And my Spanish was the last one that I learned in my older years. I kind of recognized that the market actually has a language. And that's when I started to really listen to it and start to read it and understand it. And that's when I started to see that it's really not that difficult. It's quite simple. And what I started to also recognize, I had to put in a couple of indicators. Today, I'm only with two indicators, one chart. But what I started to recognize is if I go for really small targets, um, after I have like a specific trade setup that I've been looking at and back testing, your my confidence was just going. Like I was hitting smaller profits. For instance, in the E minis, it's by points, so I was only going for one point rather than like the four or eight points that I was being said is the best thing to do, which is just really difficult. And without realizing it, people were saying, "Well, wait, you're a scalper." Um, so without even knowing, but I developed 
scalping strategy, which I love today. Oh my God. I even actually did a two and a half minute trade. Like they're that quick. And that's usually even longer than usual. So that's kind of been my journey. So it's been a long, it took a long time. It took me probably three years. Yeah. I mean, you hit on a lot of important like stages in the trading journey there. And uh, I, I think everything you're saying about stripping away and simplifying is very, it's very smart. The best traders, if you look at the, you know, the sort of the Mount Rushmore of traders, the Paul Tudor Jones types, they don't have a strategy that you could write down on a sheet of paper and be like, when this line crosses this line, then you sell. It's all sort of, I like how you described it as speaking the language of the markets. It's all about feel a little, at a certain point, it's about feel and order flow and price action and just like intuitively understanding what's happening there. And I also noticed that you said, I was reading your site, that you also um, made a lot, many fewer trades each day. Uh, you, you you suffered from a little bit of overtrading early in the career? Yeah, trigger happiness. <laughs> I was going for like 30, 40 trades. It was absolutely absurd. I was kind of, I was probably losing more on the commissions. And it's funny because today when I teach my, my students, um, I actually put them through, I like to do like a one trade per day challenge after they've already kind of learned the market understanding because it's a very, very common thing that beginner traders do is they become trigger happy. They just go for a hundred trades, right? And I always, I guess, compare, even though it's not something that I condone, but if think of a hunter, a big game hunter, I'm totally not, I'm totally against hunting, but it's just such a good comparison. A big game hunter does not go out and shoot every, you know, prairie dog or a big insect or a lizard. They wait for the big game, right? And that's what traders need to do. Even if you're scalping, go for the really good ones because it's all about probabilities. You, you always want to be on the side where you're 85 or more percent going to have a win ratio, right? That also happens with backtesting. I am probably the biggest advocate of backtesting that you'll meet. Like I can't even believe people think they see something and are in the live market giving their money to the markets without testing it out first. Well, yeah, it increases your confidence and you need that confidence. You, you need to have a belief that the trade will work more so than, well, it seems like a good level. And I like your hunting analogy. It, it, it kills me when, when I see, um, you know, we'll see some of our traders sometimes take you know, 20, 30 trades in a day and you just want to, you just want to shake, shake them. <laughs> that sounds violent, but to say, that is true. You, you, you didn't see 30 great trade setups today. What are you like a cyborg? Like, you, you know, my nature yeah. is, you know, if you saw 30 setups, take the five best, take the yeah. two best. I don't make more than when I trade, I don't trade every day anymore, but when I do, I take one trade. Me too. Whatever you're waiting for, for the one setup that'll hopefully work that you feel good about. I feel the same. But I think a lot of day traders, they have this misconception that you have to be in and out all the time. And I tell my students, I'm like, there's actually three really important positions, getting in, getting out. But the one that is probably the most important is knowing when to stay out. And that's such an overlooked thing. And that is a very high activity thing to do is staying out, right? It's not just like, oh, I'm placid and calm. No, you have to be like, wait, this is not the right moment. Yeah, it's a bit of an antiquated view of trading. I think that when people sort of see trading in the media or in the movies and stuff growing up, they're looking at market makers on the floor and stuff. And today, 
no one who's retail, you know, trading futures point and click, don't try and be a market maker. You're, you're not going to, that's, that's not your role in this market. Uh, they have computers and algorithms that will do that quite a bit better than you. So oh, yeah. just save yourself the trouble. Absolutely. <laughs> at, at this point in your story, have you uh, metamorphosized into the trader chick yet? Oh, oh, so the trader chick, right. How the trader chick came about in the first place. Uh, when I finally started to trade with the scalping again, I did had no idea this was actually a name of a scalping. So I entered, this is also like six years ago, right? Right when Facebook was kind of developing these Facebook groups. Now Facebook groups are just like a normal thing, but at one point it was a beginning. There was a start to it. And I found this one group. It was literally called ES Minis or E-Mini Futures. I can't remember. Now there's a hundred of them, but this was the only one. And I, I got in and it was only like 20 or 30 men. It was all older men. They were all... Uh, half of them worked on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. They all traded the futures. They all at this point have retired. I think it was like a guy who kind of brought in his friends into this group. And I just happened to find it. These were like the actual players, right? They were going in with hundreds of thousands of contracts, like crazy. But one thing that they did was they only went in for three ticks. So I mentioned before with the ES minis, it works by one point. And each point is separated by four ticks. Each tick is worth $12.50. These guys were going in for three ticks. So technically they were going in for less than $50 per contract, but they were going, you know, but this is so quick. Like we're talking seconds. And this is the first time that I was kind of validated that what I was doing was really something right. And they were also probably my first exposure into real successful traders. They were the most humble people I have ever met. There was no talk of, you know, decadence and, you know, Lamborghinis and blah, 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 all this stuff. It was, you know, one thing that I was, you know, I was telling them my issues. They all went through them and they were really about mindfulness, yoga, meditation, and they were just so humble and so helpful. And after like three months, I think they just got bored and the group was closed. And then I started to share it with other people, what I was doing. And they're like, oh, my God, can you show me how to do this? Can you teach me this? And especially women. Uh, today, there's a little bit more women in uh, who are trading. But back then, we're talking less than 1%. And I was really, really motivated to get more women involved because we are really good traders, investors. So I started to talk about what I was doing in different places. And I'm like, oh, I really want to learn. How do you do this? And that's kind of how the trader chick became uh, um, something, I guess, is because I put in what I was learning into a course. And I also was the only person, I think, to this day that really, really focuses on total, total beginners, like people who don't really know anything at all, but want to know. So I have a really fun way of talking about trading, not the expert way. Like I make it very easy to people to completely relate. I like I do all these metaphors all the time, you know, about hunters, about music students, that's how I talk about trading. And that's kind of how it evolved. And originally, I thought I was only going to be talking with women, but men started to really uh, like my way of simplifying it. And a lot of the men who I now teach, they've been trying for years and they just can't. And now with the simplification and getting back to the basics, it's kind of like been their aha moments. And that's kind of how it evolved, <laughs> actually. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's intimidating. Getting into trading, is, it's tough. It's scary um, when, when it's the real money. And also, um, I think I said this before on the podcast, it's one of the few activities that you can do where you are automatically playing. You know, if you start to play tennis or something, you start with beginners. You know, you start with someone who just started as well. Every time you enter the market, you're playing against the professionals, the best in the world. Every time you put a trade in the ES market, you're against Goldman Sachs, DRW, whoever else is making trades in that market. And that can be scary. And it's hard to ask. You know, it's humbling to ask questions that beginners need. I have noticed that there's a lot of um, a lot of the education out there. It gets complicated super quick off the bat without talking about the things that people are really looking at, like as simple as the price action. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> people don't even know what that means. And they're in the live market. <laughs> it amazes Right. And me. then you see these comments. And then you, whenever you go on the boards and stuff, it, it becomes a competition to see who could draw the most lines on a chart and uh, <laughs> you know, paint these weird graphs and things like that. Yeah. I, I like the idea of starting with that knowledge. And I think no matter how long you've been trading, it can always help to kind of strip things back, focus just on the fundamentals of trading and kind of reset that way. Just like you see baseball players do that. If they get something weird with their swing or something, just go back to just the basics. That's really cool. Yeah. So it's actually funny that you say that. Um, I don't know much about basketball except for, you know, like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, those, those like every, what everybody knows. And one of my students, he once said to me, he's like, you know what, who you, what you remind me of your coaching style is like John Wooden. And I was like, who's John Wooden? I don't know if you've ever heard of John Wooden. Oh, yeah. He was the, he was the basketball coach of UCLA. He won yeah, like so, 10 championships in a row. Yeah. So he's, you know, one of the top. And the thing about him is, though, he goes back to the basics. That's his thing. He goes back to the basics year after year, starting with, and these guys have won the best of the best, right? So they start with, like, tying your shoe, rolling up your socks, dribbling a ball. He goes back to the basics. He's like, that's what you go back to. Because if you don't have that, if your shoe is untied and properly, that's really going to affect your game, you know? Yeah. yeah. And all athletes, as long as we're rolling with the sports metaphors, it's um, all athletes want everything to be automatic. The end goal is to be in sort of that flow state where you're not even thinking necessarily about shooting the ball hitting golf ball swinging, you're just reacting and just automatically doing it. And I think if you layer on too many complications or start thinking about them, that's when you start overthinking. And the markets are very quick. You have to feel and know very quickly what you're going to do in a situation and not be second guessing a million times. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I always say, actually, I use a lot of athlete metaphors. I always say athletes, they're, you know, the most successful athletes have very short memories. <laughs> because if you're going to harp on the mistake you made, you won't be able to do the next valid move, which is take the next valid trade. So yes, uh, I actually I believe that traders are like artists and like athletes, we are very high action uh, performance sports like right like our mind is just so full on especially when you're scalping um yeah so yeah i think we're very similar <laughs> yeah awesome so like maybe we can dive in a little bit more into your trading style a little bit just because our, our listeners are mostly retail traders um so you kind of stripped everything down to basically 
just a couple of uh, moving averages, right? Yes. So I have three EMA lines that I use, which is the exponential moving average and the MACDs. That's it. But I actually consider it only two because I use the EMAs together as one to show me where the trades are. Um, and the MACDs, I find them to be the least lagging indicator overall. I've tried many because it really shows you when there's a lot of strength in the market and when there is um, weakness starting to happen as well. Yeah, that's cool. And, and with just those two things, they'll tell you a lot about the market. You don't need to know a ton more always than that. Um, so do you find yourselves when, when you're doing the strategies like this, are you more so I was um, not a scalper. Uh, do you find are you doing more trend following things? Or are you doing some reversal trades? Or how do you like set up a trade? So both. Um, I have 10 trade setups that I really, really look at. And I actually have a very specific thing that I look at. I could tell you exactly what I am looking for. And if I don't see it, I don't go. It's kind of like a red light for me. You know, it's not about be, I'm so disciplined and so patient. No, it's like the market is not telling me this. So I really, really, really watch reversal patterns, divergences. I absolutely love them. I They're like my, my religion almost. Um, I really follow them. And so it depends, right? Obviously, I like to, I, I love the most, I think the most powerful trades are when you first trade, when you first have a new trend happening and a breakout. I love breakout trades, right? It's that boom of energy. It's like that revival. So I, you have, those are the ones that I really look for, right? Um, so th there's obviously many components to it, but the basics are pretty much where's the most amount of strength, right? If, when you're going to go jogging, you get your your jogging shorts on, your jogging clothes on, and get out that door. If I'm going to bet on you, that's when I'm going to bet on you to go the furthest, not when you're already two miles in your run, right, which is in the middle of a trend. Um, however, if you stop, you want to get water, and you're, like, in that doubtful stage, tying your shoelace, I'm like, I don't know if I want to continue. And all of a sudden, you, like, pop in a energy gel. I could bet on you breaking out and doing another mile or two. Yeah. So that's kind of the same thing as the way I look at trends and breakouts. And that's usually where I like to enter. Nice. Well, given all the volatility we've obviously seen in the market and your trade in the uh, E-minis, um, have you had to change at all sort of your uh, profit targets? Have you had to widen that out a little bit or are you still sticking with just uh, like smaller increments? Uh, no, I'm still one to I'm still one point. But I put in more contracts, right? It's all about the contract loads. So yeah, I'm okay with that. And then with the contract loads, for instance, if I do 10, I have a split target that I could definitely continue on more, but I need to get my first one point. And once I get my one point, I also immediately break even my risk. So at that point, I have no more risk on the table, but it's just target, more more of a profit if I hit the next target. Sure. Do you, do you focus on generally the same time each day? Are you just trading in the morning or afternoon or are you just sitting there all day? Oh, no, I definitely don't sit here all day anymore. I'm Good done. Good for you. <laughs> I am so done. No, I trade a couple of my, less than 30 minutes usually. And at this point, because I'm in Guatemala, I'm two hours behind Eastern time. So I don't actually get in unless uh, until after the afternoon session, in the afternoon session, usually. Cool. So you've kind of done something that I think a lot of our traders sort of aspire to and that you've kind of traveled and incorporated trading into your lifestyle without having one or the other dominate. I love how you said you don't sit there all day because you're not going to, the middle of the day is generally not a great time to be trading anyway, unless 
this goes along with what we said about not over trading earlier kind of make the market work for you too. don't force yourself to be around when you don't have to because the whole i think a giant part of the allure of trading is that you can kind of be anywhere and do anything and not as dan the other host isn't here but he would say not be chained to your desk you seem to have made that work so do you have any um advice for maybe people that are kind of looking to embark on a similar lifestyle of kind of traveling and trading are there any tools of the trade Sure. First of all, all you need, really, all you need is a computer and internet. It does not matter anything else. And people are like, oh, but you're in Guatemala. It's funny. When I was in Manhattan, my internet sucked. Guatemala is pretty awesome. So that should never hinder anyone. Um, My biggest, biggest, biggest advice is you have to have a strategy. Like if you got to get a mentor, again, going back to the sports analogies, there's a reason why the top athletes are the top athletes. They all work with coaches and mentors. And it's really important. You don't know if you're doing it right. Um, and that's something that I really recommend, period. You need to have a strategy. You need to know what you are doing. You cannot go in and on this blindly. Backtest. Oh, my God. I cannot even tell you how to much to backtest. But once you have that, you could go and do it anywhere in the world. Open your, open your computer at any time. The futures market is awesome. It's open 24 hours a day except for Saturdays. So, but, you're, but obviously the best times is during market hours for the U.S. because ES is a U.S. market, but there's many different markets that you could do. And when you have that strategy, when you've applied yourself and learned it, you can literally open up your mark, your charts, 30 minutes, an hour, you're done anywhere in the world. But you have to put that time in, you know, and uh, a pilot, you know, some of the top pilots today, they only maybe do one or two flights a week. But they also put in the time going through flight school, you know, so you have to do that. Otherwise, you will not you're not going to be able to sustain it. You will lose. Um, And that's unfortunate. Yeah. And if you're just completely going at it alone, if you're not going to have a coach or mentor, you're kind of taking the long route to learning things. You know, a lot of the information you need to know is out there. Have the people that know it already teach you. I also like, you know, going along with how you simplify things. We tell people a lot to know a product inside and out and just kind of stick to that. Uh, I like that you're just trading the ES futures. There's plenty. You could spend your whole life trading one product. Find a product that suits your personality, your temperament. They're all a little bit different. They all have their own flavor. But once you do that, there's plenty of movement there. You don't need to be trading all the E-mini indices, right? Yeah. We see people kind of jumping around from that and crude oil. You know, if you could trade crude oil, trade crude oil. Right. Well, back to my analogies. <laughs> I love yeah. analogies. I love analogies. Bring them on. People get it. So I actually, literally, this is my philosophy. If your child comes up to you and they're like, mama or papa, I want to play a musical instrument. And you're like, okay, great. Which musical instrument? Well, I want to play the piano, the drums, the flute, and the cello. The parent is going to look at their kid and be like, wow, those are really different. Shouldn't you just focus on one first and really get it and then master it? It makes sense. People don't understand that financial markets, they're instruments. Crude and ES Mini are so different. You cannot possibly figure them both out together at the same time when you're not even getting one of them right. Pick your one. And you know what? After you pick your one, I get so many students. Oh, my God. Okay. I want to trade Forex. I want to pl- trade the indexes. The indexes. There's like, what, 20,000 <laughs> indexes? Um, and I want to trade. I want to do options. I'm like, 
so are you successful? Oh, no, I'm losing in all of them. I'm like, because you're <laughs> so scattered. I'm like, pick one. Okay, so if I learn that one, will I be able to do many others? I'm like, let's begin with one. And you know what's funny? After they learn the one, which is my ES, they don't ever go anywhere else. Why? You're, you're, they're making money. Who cares? It's not about the different indexes. They, they feel like they're going to be able to make more if they trade more. And it's so not the case. So yeah. I am very, yeah, one thing, ES. I don't even look at the MES because the MES is where the amateurs play. And at the end of the day, you're still paying like 13 bucks in commissions versus the $4. So you're not really even making that much more money per contract. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't think the CME is introducing that product uh, for the sure joy of no. the little man. It's yeah, like there's them and they're doing a little, great. little more juice. <laughs> yeah, and they're doing awesome, and people don't get that. Yeah, and that's that's another reason why I like trading a futures index as opposed to trading stocks. We've talked about too is then you're also you're trading a million different stocks, and they all have a different thing. They all have different information. It, it, just focus on one thing. Make your life easier. I, I don't see anyone, you know, over trading. It's I've never heard of someone being successful doing that. Like, oh man, I traded so much last month and I killed it. No, it's always just like I dug myself a hole and yeah. swept in it. Yeah, yeah. I gave money to the CME and to their brokers. Well, so CME's well. got to eat too. <laughs> CME's got to eat. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So presumably you're sticking around Guatemala for the future. Love it. Yeah. Well, we're on massive lockdown right now, so I can't go anywhere even uh, if I wanted to. That's that's actually, a good point. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, actually, we are planning on moving, and this was planned way before the pandemic happened to move to Spain. So um, once this kind of clears up, so hopefully within a year, we are planning to move to Spain. Yes, we are moving to Spain. If all goes well. awesome, just just on the uh, spur of the moment. Um, no, so my kids, we have two sons. They are they're becoming, I guess you could say, training to become professional rock climbers uh, competitively. So that's about gyms. So Guatemala, there's only so much we could do. So we want to move to Spain to work with like the top uh, coaches and for them to train in um, the gyms there. I just prefer Europe. We obviously can move to the States, so kind of hanging out to see what's going on there. But, I, you know, Europe is kind of cool. Um, so that's why we're one or the other, but it's mainly for my kids' career in train and to become better rock climbers, competitive rock climbers. Oh, there we go. Wild. I, is there a big rock climbing culture down there? In Guatemala, no. But the U.S., yeah. And it's in the Olympics this year, so it's really going to become big. And they've been – my husband is a climber. So they've been climbing for several years, and just like the past two years, they become really, really good and competitive, and we've reached uh, a limit, right? So now we have to go, yeah, of here in Guatemala. So now we have to go where, like, the real coaches are. Back to the coaching. You can't get anywhere if you don't have a coach. Um, Got to get that good 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 facilities. Yeah, so it's between the States or Spain, and we we prefer Spain. (laughs) Cool. Well, uh, Marina, if people want to find more about you and your classes or check out, you know, the Trader Chick, where, where can they find you online? So everything is thetraderchick.com. However, I do have a free, uh, I guess I call it like a cheat sheet, and you could just go to makingofadaytrader.com. However, everything is thetraderchick.com. It's perfect. Yeah, I was just reading over it. Great site. <laughs> love, the, uh, love the layout. Uh, I think it's really cool what you you're doing. And I think that uh, everyone out there, the biggest takeaway for me from this episode is to strip things down, 
master the simple stuff before you get too cute, before you get too complicated. Uh, it's not a contest to see who can be the most esoteric with their trading. You just no. read the price action, just get a few indicators you know, trade one product you know, and you're going to do yourself a bunch of favors. So, uh, Rena, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, you know, from across, I guess it's not hard now that we have the uh, virtual studio or whatever, but yes. still, you know, yeah. you're in Guatemala. You could be out enjoying the uh, sun or beach or something like that. So thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. All right, everyone. Uh, we'll be back right after this sound effect. Hey, everybody. <laughs> thanks for listening to our interview today with Marina, the trader chick, Toro. She was a great guest. Uh, JD was ch- and I were chuckling right there because I was attempting to redo the sound effect that you guys heard with my vocal cords and it sounded ridiculous. Um, so anyway, uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new guest. I think pretty soon. Keep your eye on Top Step and Top Step FX, the Top Step Trader and Top Step FX, because um, I have an inkling that there might be something coming up soon that you might want to get involved with. It could be a discount. could be a big discount. Just keep your eye out. It's coming. JD, what are you doing this weekend? I take a little road trip up to Michigan. Uh, see my mom and dad. I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks. How, how so, far? Uh, they're just north of St. Joseph, right around, right around the bend, about 100 miles from Chicago. That's not so bad. I'm about to... Uh put this world behind me and uh, drive out to Wyoming in like a week or two. Oh, try to work out there for a while. I'll bring my recording equipment. We'll see how that works. Yeah. Uh, my significant other, uh, we're planning a little trip to her family farm out in Minnesota in September. So I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Take a nice 10 days off. Oh yeah. You know, the only thing I'm not looking forward to is we have to bring our dog of course. And our dog is a pug. And uh, I just need to use every fiber of my being to make sure that he doesn't get eaten by a coyote <laughs> or a wolf. <laughs> I just feel like Wyoming is not a place where you can let a, you know, 25 pound pseudo show dog run free. But uh, he's he's hardy. He's got some fight in him. So <laughs> anyway, we hope everyone out there, we hope you're taking a trip sometime as well. Get away from the screens a little bit. Um, it's Thursday, so we're almost to the weekend. So uh, stay safe, have fun, mind your social distancing and mask rules, namaste, and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk. It is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.